Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to to SmartPeoplePodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm John. Today, we're going to talk to to you guys and and our guest about something that, if you choose to accept it, which the jury's still out, it will greatly impact your life. I know that it'll greatly impact John's. Do you think you're going... How do you feel about what we discussed? You think you're going to implement it in your life? Absolutely not. No chance. (laughs) There's no way... You could tell me that my cell phone is gonna has the chance of blowing up in my pocket, and I would still carry it around every day. Way to way to give away the topic today. We're we're talking about it's the specific is non ionizing radiation. It's the the waves put out by cell phone, internet, like laptops, everything, every single electronic, if you will. And we all know that our body is comprised of. You know, we, we have electronic currents and pulses and all these things. So it, in theory, for, for us non-doctors and scientists, it makes sense. It could be scary. But like you said, I, I don't know. I think it'd be too tough to give up on it. But at least we get the conversation started, right? Sure. I mean, if somebody is going to make something safer for me, more power to them. Yeah. Am I going to buy something to go over my laptop 
or my TV or my Wi-Fi router, any of that stuff. No, no chance. But like you said, isn't it crazy that we could turn on the internet or, you know, look at the internet connections and there are 15 wireless things that we could connect to. So you could pick up from 15 different routers, like just where you live and sleep every night. Well, let me even go this far. In five to 10 years, we won't have wires, there won't be wires. For, for most stuff. I mean, okay, you've got things that you're obviously going to have to plug in. Yeah. But for the most part, I firmly believe that we'll be able to figure out how to transmit electricity somehow wirelessly. Well, then, and I then mean, we'll have to deal with this a bajillion <laughs> for. We better get it figured out now. Yeah, no, exactly. So... Uh, so that's what we're talking about today. We speak with Anne Louise Gittleman, and man, I want to go into her bio, but it's so long. She has done so many different things. She's written 30-plus books. She's a bestseller. She's been on basically every show or media outlet you can because her message across the years has has been you know pretty strong. She's into health, nutrition, well-being, a couple. She's been on 2020, Dr. Phil, The View, Good Morning America, Fox News. She's been featured in Time, Newsweek, Fitness, Women of Power, National Enquirer. Smart People Podcast. Yeah. I mean, and the most important being Smart People Podcast. So she's great. She's She's been doing this for a while. And her, uh, her most recent book is called Zapped, Why Your Cell Phone Shouldn't Be Your Alarm Clock and 1,268 Ways to Outsmart the Hazards of electronic pollution. You know, when I think of electronic pollution, this is actually a side note. When we were out in Arizona, there was a golf course right near a house that I played. And like six of the holes were uh, lined up next to power lines. And you could feel and hear the buzz, the constant buzz emanating from them. And I just thought, I'm dying. I'm literally dying every second I'm on this fairway. I mean, I think if you would have stood there for like 30 years, yes, it would have had an effect. I don't know, man. I don't, you know me, I'm kind of a hypochondriac. Like yeah. this stuff terrifies me. So I kind of got interested when I saw her book title, especially, and I mentioned it in the interview, why your cell phone shouldn't be your alarm clock. It's definitely my alarm clock. So I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it, but we're going to turn it over to Anne Louise here in a second. Just wanted to say, be part of the smart people community. Check us out at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter. We got some really cool things coming out on that. You can sign up on the website. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. That's how we let you guys know what's going on. All right. Enjoy, everyone. All right, Anne Louise. Well, first, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And the first thing I wanted to ask you is... You have been doing work in, you know, health and nutrition for an extremely long time. You've always <laughs> been you've been ahead of the curve and it just I wanted to ask you, are you constantly looking for um, things that are wrong with our with with the way we approach health? I mean, how do you see in advance what what the next big thing is going to be? <laughs> well, thank you very much, Chris. Mm-hmm. I would say that I've always been a maverick health sleuth and have always looked for the underlying causes of disease, whether it is excessive amounts of sugar, not enough of the essential fatty acids, parasites in the environment, food sensitivities, uh, not enough probiotics, 
or simply hormonal changes that are going on in the system. And I would think that within the past 10 years, I have been exceedingly worried about the increase in so many diseases that are so common now but were almost unheard of a decade or so ago. You know, every day you're hearing about children, you're hearing about relatives or associates who are being diagnosed with brain tumors or leukemia maybe autism or Alzheimer's or even chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. And since now 50% of us live with some type of chronic illness that are attributed to either old age or stress, I think it's very important to look at the underlying causes and see if there's a pattern to what we're all exposed to. And that's probably what has set the stage for all of the books that I've written, which are about 30 uh, at this point in time. And this particularly set the stage for my newest book, which is Zab, that quite frankly is a bit of a departure from nutrition, weight loss, and detox. So electronic pollution, I think, is the next wave, <laughs> yeah. um, so to speak. And it is something that we are all exposed to, you know, the side effect from all these gadgets and gizmos that we can't live without. And I think that what's going on in this day and time, which will make all of these underlying deficiencies and problems that I've identified previously, whether it's excessive amounts of sugar, not enough essential fatty acids, the importance to, to detox and support the liver, uh, almost like a dinosaur, because today we're immersed in a sea of, of invisible I'd say tasteless and odorless man-made electronic fields that are probably a hundred million times more than what our grandparents were exposed to. And I think this is taking a toll and is probably the tipping point for all these other diseases that we're suffering from. You know, and it's a scary thought because like you mentioned, I mean, the amount of things John and I, you know, we're coming up on 30, so we're kind of, you know, we, we've lived Children. through, yeah, <laughs> we've lived through both the, the tech and the, you know, previous to the tech revolution, if you will. And I mean, we're surrounded by it. And so it's just a scary thought to, to think about that. And I think it's more, it's easier for us to just kind of put our heads in the sand and think, oh, well, we can't see it it's not going to be a problem. You know, Sonny, that's very true. And I was going to name my book The Inconvenient Truth, <laughs> uh, Why Your Cell Phone Shouldn't Be Your Alarm Clock and 1,268 Ways to Outsmart the Hazards of Electronic Pollution because it's very inconvenient and almost shocking uh, and, and, a, and a little bit uh, bizarre to think that all of these electronic gadgets that are making our lives so much more convenient, that are entertaining us, allowing us to do business 30,000 feet above above the earth, all of those things uh, have made life very, very different. But quite frankly, there has been not very much research about the chronic and the cumulative effects of all of this electromagnetic radiation. And we're seeing an increase in the call for more studies and more warnings to be put on cell phones and other wireless gadgets that uh, I think has been a long time in coming. I was very gratified initially when I read that the World Health Organization classified cell phone radiation as possibly carcinogenic to humans. And the fact that they based their findings on um, a very large international study that showed an increase in a certain type of brain tumor, which is called glioma, from regular use of cell phones, 
is, is very um, it's very encouraging because we are now being shown that this technology that we can't live without may have disastrous side effects. I know that I'm hearing from people all over the country that are talking about very weird symptoms that do not seem to resolve with the usual stress-relieving techniques, whether it's um, exercise or diet or supplementation or having problems where people are feeling numbness in their fingers. There's facial flushing on the side of the head where their phone may be held, blurred vision, problems with uh, their skin, problems with the heart, problems with the brain, which are, in fact, electrical organs that are impacted by these very short, pulsed, non-ionizing kinds of radiation. And we're finding that individuals now are starting to connect the dots and are realizing that electronic pollution, like any other environmental hazard, uh, is one that the cells start to recognize almost in milliseconds and that your DNA recognizes these fields at exceedingly low levels of exposure and they produce uh, a stress protein response. It's a kind of biochemical stress response. They're known as heat shock proteins. And so what we're seeing is that the safety standards that are currently in effect may in fact be inadequate, and we've got to be very careful about children who are very different than adults. And some of the early studies that were done on cell phone usage were actually done on adults, not, not children so that it's very important to understand that this possible human carcinogen, you know, cell phones and other wireless radiation, perhaps is deleterious to health, and we need to start being savvy about the way we use our technology and take precautions for the children just the way Israel is doing, just the way Finland is doing, France, which has banned cell phones from school, and even India. So I think that what we're looking at here is we're looking at a type of radiation, which is known as non-ionizing radiation, that isn't the same as your x-rays or even nuclear bombs, so to speak, but it can start to damage your DNA rather indirectly by increasing the production of free radicals, by interfering with the blood-brain barrier, and also by increasing certain molecular markers that have shown to be increased when cancer and other diseases uh, are on the rise. So what's happening is that our DNA is not able to repair itself, and that's really what the problem is. I think today we're standing kind of at the precipice uh, of a time very similar to what was going on with tobacco. You know, it took about 50 years from the time the original research was done about the dangers of smoking before there were any governmental steps to curb this type of um, habit. So I think that if you look at this public health SOS in the making, the cigarettes, or I should say that the cell phones are like cigarettes, and they're just they're time bombs ready to go off. And it may sound crazy, but I think that we've just got to be a lot more careful about how we use the Internet. We've got to understand that when they take certain types of scans on the brain, what we're finding is that those individuals who are addicted to the Internet 
that their brain scans look like those of individuals who are addicted to cocaine and alcoholics. Wow. So it's looking like there are problems with regard to panic, depression, and the fact that our brains are being rewired. But I also think we have to understand that what's going on here is that there are biological effects in terms of what's going on to the system. And not a lot of scientists are talking about this, which is quite sad. And that's because so many of the studies that are out there, quite frankly, are being supported by the telecommunications companies. And we know the trillions of dollars that many of these companies are making in terms of their gadgets and the latest, greatest phones that are out there and so on and so forth. So I I think it's an issue whose time has come, and I'm grateful that at least we're discussing it and that people will have the opportunity to get a book like Zapped and see, in fact, if their symptoms may be related to their addiction to technology. So along those lines of of the cigarettes and tobacco, I mean, what do you see the government doing to kind of curb the public's usage of the the cell phones? Because in my mind, I kind of look at the the internet addiction thing and then the cell phone, if you want to call it like a cell phone addiction, as two separate things. Because I know both of which John has. Yeah, both of which (laughs) I absolutely have. But you know, for the cell phone, like I've made the conscious effort to use earbuds and that kind of stuff because. My iPhone gets really hot, and you know I don't want that up by my head and all that kind of stuff. Who knows what it actually really is doing? And like you said, they're, they're starting to find things wrong with that. But what do you see the government actually being able to do? Because pulling away this technology of cell phones and, and Internet or limiting people to do that, there might be some type of uprising in that sense because, like Chris said, you know we grew up on this, and we've become – it's second nature to us now. Yeah, I, I know. I know that's that, that's the that's the whole issue here, the inconvenient truth. Well, the good news is that there is a new cell phone act. It's the Cell Phone Right to Know Act that was introduced by Dennis Kucinich, who is out of Ohio. He's a U.S. congressman. And it is starting to address the public health concerns that we have from cell phone radiation and other wireless devices. So his particular bill calls for the use of special warning labels on cell phones. And he's also calling for a national research program and more scientific investigation into the adverse health effects by cell phone users. And I think this is very exciting because what it will do is it will direct the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences to start working together to get a research and public information program together that will determine whether or not there are true health effects from all these digital products. And it would also charge the EPA with setting new maximum permissible safety limits And it would also require the EPA, and this is big news, to take into great account whether or not any of this research was funded by any type of organization that might profit from the research outcome. So there'd be independent research. 
And I think that's a really good move in the right direction so that if we do implement new human exposure standards, then it would be up to the EPA and the FDA, which could then issue regulations requiring labels on any kind of mobile communication device. Now, whether that's going to help, you know, the the, the addiction that we all have to our wireless devices and gadgets, I don't know, but at least you will be forewarned, and maybe that means forearmed. So do you think that this is, it's, it's really falling more in the hands of the cell phone makers as opposed to the end users? Because if you do, I mean, it's the same way with cigarettes, where now if you have the label on there saying, you know, smoking causes cancer, that end user is still making the decision whether or not to use that cigarette. So do you see it as the cell phone makers are going to have to make the cell phones that only emit a certain amount of radiation or whatever it may be? Or do you think that just slapping a a label on there saying, hey, this emits more than normal, it's kind of up to you to use it? I mean, who do you see this, the onus falling on? I think the onus really falls on the cell phone user and the cell phone makers, quite frankly. I mean, they have warnings, but they're, they're embedded, you know, in, in all of the uh, little booklets that they give you probably in the middle of the booklet in very, very small print. Oh, yeah, and, and I throw the, them right out. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody reads them. No. You know? I never read them. And, you know, I got involved with this, and I think I should tell you this from the get-go. I got involved with this because I had a parotid gland tumor which I never suspected was at all related to my addiction to cell phones. I mean, I was a cell phone addict myself, quite frankly. I'm a recovering addict at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And I read this study. It was when I was doing the book. When I started doing the book and tried to piece together all these weird symptoms that so many of my clients were experiencing and had no resolution uh, for, And I started doing some research and found that some Israeli researchers published a study that said that those individuals who had their cell phone against one side of their head for several hours a day were about 50% more likely to develop a salivary gland tumor on that side of the head. And quite honestly, I started growing this little it looked like a node, quite honestly, that I didn't pay very much attention to. It was right near my jaw, underneath my ear, and I finally decided to get it looked at, and, and I had a surgeon that took it out and said to me, as he, as he came in after the, the little operation, he said, you know, this is a salivary gland tumor. And I thought, what do you mean? And he said, oh, it's a parotid gland tumor. I said, well, how did I get it? Right. And at, at that point, this was a number of years ago, I mean, nobody knew anything about the research. I mean, there's since been quite a lot that's been published in very respectable peer-reviewed journals, and I detail all those journals in my book. This particular study was written, or I think it was published in 2008, if I'm not mistaken, and it was in the Miracle Journal of Epidemiology. I mean, so these are peer-reviewed journals that are quite well respected. And there's been more research because the Israelis are major, major cell phone users. And so there's even been more research that's been done in Israel that has most definitely connected certain types of tumors, both benign and non-benign cancerous, with the continual use of the cell phone. And even though they talk about a certain number of hours and this, that, and the other, I just think some of us are just more sensitive to these particular types of electromagnetic fields than others, these radio frequency fields. 
So I don't think that you can say, well, you know, it takes 10 years for most cancers to develop. I think that a lot of us are suffering from another level of symptomology that may not be full-blown disease or cancer, but certainly is affecting many different systems of the body, whether it's neurological, whether it's the cardiac system, whether it's respiratory, and whether it's pain or burning in your eyes or pressure in and behind the eyes. There are all kinds of things that people are, are talking about, nosebleeds, internal bleeding, problems with the ears. There's a lot of ringing in the ears these days. And when I deal with many of my clients and tell them to switch you know, their cell phone, don't, don't use it on one side of their head more predominantly than the other, we find that a lot of that starts to dissipate. That's kind of the good news in terms of all this. But I also think it's, it's important for people to understand that, you know, the government up till this point really hasn't been doing very much about all of these, the wireless exposure that we're getting. There's really been very little uproar about cell phone towers and their placements. And that's because there was an act that was established in 1996. I think it was signed into law by President Clinton, as a matter of fact. And then it was mandated that the federal government could prohibit any state or local government from restricting or influencing the siting of wireless antennas and towers based on environmental, i.e. health grounds. So the telecommunication companies really have the right to sue towns and cities in this country if they don't allow permits for antennas and towers. And a lot of times, you know, churches and schools get a lot of money for their antennas that are gracing their, their roofs. And now we've got many schools that are going Wi-Fi, which really disturbs me because children are a lot more sensitive to this type of radiation than we are. You know, if you're 18 and above, it certainly can be cumulative and affect you. However, the problem is that with children, it is very deleterious and it can be absorbed almost into the entire brain. So children are much more vulnerable when it comes to these kinds of fields. They absorb about 50% more of this than we do. So I think that this is something that really needs to be talked about because you've got kids that are growing up with this even more so than you and your generation. And you take a look at the developing brain and you, you see how conductive you know, their skull is because it contains such a higher concentration of, of minerals and fluids. So I think that we've got to understand that this is potentially very dangerous for the next generation. And interestingly enough, there have been some studies, very small studies, but there was one in particular that I can recall and certainly wrote about in the book that found that uh, when you measured a pregnant woman's body voltage as well as the body voltage of children in their bedrooms, this was a major predictor of autism and other serious neurological disorders. So I think it's really important before your baby is born, you know, expectant mothers out there or, or women that want to be mothers, that you really baby-proof your house and scan the house for potential EMF dangers and do some kind of electronic feng shui so that you don't have a lot of electronics in the baby's bedroom and not and in your bedroom. You've got to really sweep the nursery and the kid's bedroom, your own bedroom. And I think that we need to have a real safe haven, which is going to be your bedroom, because that's where you regenerate and rejuvenate so that you're not exposed to these aberrant energies 24-7. 
the problem as I see it is that when you talk about all these public health disasters of the past, whether it's smoking or whether it's asbestos or whether it is HRT, long-term hormone replacement therapy, even tanning beds, you can go to your home and you can walk away from some of these issues. You know, not everybody is smoking in your house and, you know, your, your house does not contain asbestos and you, you don't have a tanning bed right there and you can stop taking HRT. But what you can't stop is what's going on with all this electromagnetic pollution. It is 24-7. It's unrelenting. And now there are even stronger towers. People are addicted to their phones. There are smarter phones that are out there. So there's different kinds of waves that are affecting the body. And the good news with some of it is that some of the cell phone companies, or I should say some of the tech companies out there are learning to to kind of ride this wave, so to speak. And some of them have even launched certain types of protective devices, which are cases which have been FCC certified, and they have been found to really reduce the amount of SAR or specific absorption rate of, of some of the radiation to about 95% below the current limit that is set by the FCC. So since there are more phones than people in the United States at this point in time, I think that the cell phone cases and the iPad cases that are now out there probably couldn't come at a better time. One of the things that caught my eye about this book was the subtitle. And the first thing you say is, you know, why your cell phone shouldn't be your alarm clock. And I, I love that subtitle because I'd be shocked if 99% of people don't use their cell phone as an alarm clock. So it's catchy and I like it. So I had to ask you, why shouldn't I? Because that's that's what I use and now I got to switch it up. <laughs> well, the closer you have any of these devices to your brain, the more you're going to be impacted. So the keynotes here are proximity of use of any of these gadgets, the duration of time that you keep them near your brain or near your heart, which are in fact electrical organs, and certainly the intensity. So you've got to keep them pretty far away. I mean, the farthest that you can keep that cell phone away from you or, or the more that you text or use speaker or even an air tube headset, those are really wonderful safety devices. So you just don't want anything near your brain which starts to absorb and, and accumulates all of this non-ionizing radiation, which we now believe does have biological effects. It doesn't heat tissue the way the ionizing radiation does, but does have some of these, these biological effects. So as far as I'm concerned, I think that people should start weaning themselves off of the cell phone, and thankfully they do that. They're texting now. People are not using cell phones the way they used to. But wired or wireless headsets that a lot of people are now using may not be adequate protection because some studies suggest that the wire in a wired headset can still be a transmission aid for the radiation along your body. It almost acts like an antenna and that the phone will emit radiation if you're holding it in your hand or near other body parts. So that's why you don't want to put your laptop on your stomach, your abdomen, your kidneys, your reproductive organs. So the only thing that I have found that is supposed to be the very best is an air tube headset with probably an additional extension cord so you can place the phone as far away from your body as possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's not practical for a lot of people. So I think that reduction of time is important, not allowing kids to use cell phones because they're much more sensitive to this type of energy and that the absorption of the EMF energy is much higher in a child's head. And I think you should just turn off your cell phone at night. 
that's what I really think you should do. I think it's very important for individuals to have a time when they're not in the proximity of any of these energy fields so that your body can regenerate and renew the way it was designed to. I mean, I've had so many of my clients that have sleep problems. And what we found is that when they removed all the electronics from their bedroom, that their sleep improved immensely. So individuals that are having sleep problems, problems with the adrenals, problems with the thyroid, panic attacks, problems in terms of attention deficit, hyperactivity disorders, then I think it's very important to have a very pristine healing haven, which as far as I'm concerned is the bedroom. I have even gone to the extent and told people to shut the power off to their bedrooms at night if in fact all of these other measures don't help. And then they're, they're in a, just a, a very natural electronic field, the way that our bodies have developed over eons of time. We're just being exposed too quickly and too much to this type of, of stress, and it becomes a stressor to the system. The body really shuts down, the, the membranes of the system shut down. What we find is that toxins can't get out of the system as easily as they should, and that nu nutrients probably can't get in. So that we've just got to pay attention, and I'm, I'm happy to say that there's going to be a conference, a national conference by the International uh, building biologists and ecologists it's going to be held in October and if you go to buildingbiology.net you're going to see the entire program where scientists and physicians and activists and top-of-the-line political thinkers are going to be gathered together under one roof and we'll be talking about the real hardcore science the biological effects and then what you can do to shield yourself so let me just put in that little infomercial. <laughs> I think it's going to be very important that people start to wake up and pay attention, particularly if they're suffering from health issues. You know, quite honestly, that's when people start paying attention. It's when their health starts to sure. suffer. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned making all the electronics or even cutting the power to the bedroom. And I've th thought similar things in the past, but not because of the electrical hypersensitivity that we have, but even the, the dim glows of, you know, TVs, alarm clocks, that kind of stuff. I think that psychologically, it always seeing something glowing keeps, uh, keeps me from sleeping, at least personally. And now that you're mentioning maybe even shutting them off isn't enough, but completely depowering so that's not in the bedroom, that power is not in the bedroom as well. I've, I've never even looked at it or thought about it that way. And that's, that's an interesting concept and one that I'm actually probably going to try to do here in the next couple of weeks to see how much better I sleep when I completely depower my room. Well, it's what's suggested for a lot of individuals that are considered to be electro-hypersensitive. And from what we've seen, at least with some of the statistics that are out of England, maybe 35% of the population is approaching that. We just don't know that we're electro-hypersensitive. We've got these strange symptoms that come and go, and we may attribute it to stress and aging, which probably is true, but this is the, the tipping point, the electromagnetic radiation that we're getting from all of our devices, and even from the electrical fields that you get from a can opener, from the electric motor that's in your refrigerator. You're surrounded by all of these fields, the electromagnetic from appliances or the radio frequencies from so many of our gadgets, you know, our gadgets that, w that we feel that we can't live without. So 
We've got those microwave ovens. We've got mobile phones, by the way, which we're finding in terms of the cordless phones may even be more deleterious than, than the regular cell phones because they're constantly transmitting an energy, pulsed radio frequency which is just not normal for the cells of the body. And that's when all those stress proteins start to be produced. And when that starts to happen, you start losing calcium from your cell membranes. So there's a whole kind of domino effect that goes on. We see changes in cell membrane function. We see major changes in calcium metabolism and the communication between cells. We see those heat shock proteins that I mentioned, and that's is, is if heating has occurred when in fact it isn't. And then, of course, the breaking of DNA and the chromosome aberration. So all of this starts to result in memory problems, headaches, fatigue, the sleeping disorders. And then there's a secretion of melatonin, which doesn't happen because all of this starts to shut down your melatonin, which is a, a very important sleep aid and a very important antioxidant for the body. It's a precursor to glutathione which is the body's major toxic eliminator in terms of being the premier antioxidant in the system. So lots of things start to happen. It's just a matter of getting the science out there, and that's why I'm so excited about this Building Biology Conference. It's coming up in October. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, I have to ask you, because I'm sure you get it all the time. I know that it must be a, a common thought for you know, a portion of people who kind of read this book or listen to the podcast or anything, you have to have your detractors. You have to have the people who don't want to believe it. You have to have those that say everything causes cancer. And this has been proven not to be true by X, Y, Z and, and all these different things. What do you usually say to them in response, given that this has had a, a personal impact on you and you've dedicated so much time into it? You know, I would say that there may be detractors, and when it starts to affect you and impact you directly, then you're going to take action. And I would say that people said the same thing about cigarettes, about asbestos, about hormone replacement therapy, about tanning beds, about any of these public health disasters that, you know, have have occurred. And I would also suggest that not everybody is sensitive to the digital age. I'm one of those individuals that is. But as we start to be, I would say, exposed cumulatively to so many of these aberrant wavelengths, which are very artificial and man-made and not natural to our regular electronic or bioelectricity, our, our own fields, that then you start looking at everything a little bit differently. So not everybody is sensitive and feels this way. I mean, I get absolutely zapped when I'm in an airplane because everybody's using some kind of wireless device. And when you're in the kind of, you know, uh, you're in a metal container, then it's going to bounce all those waves and even magnify them even more. It kind of acts like an antenna to intensify. I think that a lot of times when there are accidents on the road, I think that it isn't just this detraction that's happening, but I think that something may be also happening with the communication in the cells and that because you're losing calcium from the cell membrane and all of these, everything that I'm saying is very well documented in the book, by the way, in Zapped. Mm -hmm that your neurotransmitters are not functioning the way that they should be. So there's a lot to be said about not using your cell phone when you're driving. Sure. And you know, I, I never even thought about it because you said, I feel zapped when, and I never thought about it in, in terms of that adjective, you know, and I just had to say my mom, since as long as I can remember, she 
screws up electronic equipment. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but we could all be using some electrical remote or something, and then she'll get her hands on it, and it breaks from day one. And I'm starting to wonder if it's something to do with her electrical field or, or anything like that. Do you ever hear stories of that type of thing or, or see any any similarities? Yeah, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> it, ha- it happens to me all the time in, in reference to that. And, and there's, I think what happens is that your brain waves get scrambled on some level. And I also think that women may be more sensitive than men to some of these electromagnetic fields. I think that age hormones may have something to do with it. And so this, this may in fact be the case. You know, we're not all created equal biochemically. I think that's really very important for people to understand, and not all of us are canaries in the coal mine. But as we constantly are being drenched in these unnatural fields, I think more and more of us will start exhibiting symptoms, and once we start connecting the dots, we'll see it's because of our love affair with technology. Right, and you know, it is a scary thought, so at least kind of talking about it, getting this conversation started and continuing it forward, I think is something definitely worthwhile. So... I know that we've kind of gone a little past the time, but I did want to say thank you so much. And, you know, we've mentioned the book Zapped. Do you want to let our listeners know the best place to go to to find out more about the book or find out more about you, kind of where you would like them to to go? I would think that going to Amazon uh, would be your best bet. And certainly, uh, areyouzapped.com, we've got all the latest research up there. But I also want to say something that I didn't mention, which I think is important for people to, to remember. And that is that there was recently a study, well, actually it wasn't a study. There was uh, some research that came out of the Office of National Statistics in the U.K., and it suggested a 50% increase in a certain type of tumor, a frontal and temporal lobe tumor, and that's the area of the brain that is much more susceptible to the EMF radiation that is emitted by, by mobile phones, or I should say the radio frequency radiation emitted by mobile phones. And this happened in a 10-year period between 1999 and 2009. So something is up. And just because the scientists can't agree, because a lot of them you know, are working for some of these telecommunication companies, I think we have to just use the precautionary principle and just make sure that everything is completely safe before we get on board full full boat. Fantastic. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. All right. So we, I've, I've found what I wanted to say. Okay. So um, we'll just go ahead and edit right in at the end. You know, when I said, um, let you know, is there anything you'd like to let our listeners know about and places you would like them to go? And if you just want to tell them a little bit more about the um, the the event, that'd be great. Yes, well, I'd like them to check out the website, buildingbiology.net, and they'll find all the information to register for the annual conference, which is going to be held in Washington, D.C., where we'll be talking about the effects of an increasing electromagnetic environment. There are some speakers that I think are, are must-sees. Must There's Dr. Martin Blank of Columbia University and Camilla Reese, MBA, who will be headlining the event. And there will be lots of experts that will be talking about the smart grid technologies, the biological health impact of EMF fields, individuals that have been impacted in, in terms of uh, being canaries in the coal mine. 
and you can interact here with a lot of other experts for green lifestyle tips and tricks. There'll be interior designers, physicians, corporate health professionals, and engineers. So I think this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. It's the 25th anniversary of the Building Biologist movement here in this country, and I think it's going to be exceedingly interesting and will be landmark because of all the new legislation that is poised to, God willing, uh, pass congressional uh, approval in terms of the Cell Phone Right to Know Act. Fantastic, and it's right down the street from us. I know we have a lot of local listeners, so we encourage everybody to, um, to definitely check that out. Well, right. thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling. All right. Thanks, Anne Louise. Be well. Bye-bye. Right. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. All right. Hope you guys are still around and did not shut off the podcast on your cell phone because mm. you were flipping out. God, that's a good so one. congratulations if you made it through. Now we appreciate it. it. <laughs> turn it off and don't ever use it again for the rest of today. Don't listen to Chris. <laughs> Keep um, listening to our podcasts. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, this episode gave you guys a thought, you know, put the little bug in your ear about all the electronic pollution and you can research it more and really get up to date. Check out her book. She has references within there. So uh, it was a new topic we wanted to bring you. Yeah, and if any of you guys actually think that you have electrical hypersensitivity, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and, and talk to us about it. I'm actually really interested to, to talking to some people and see if they, you know, have the same symptoms or, or, or showing the same signs as, as what, yeah. you know, what Anne Louise talked about during her interview. So hit us up on Facebook. Smart People Pod on Twitter. You know where to do. You know where to check us out. Head over to to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Click that Amazon banner. Show it a little love. Show us some love. We'd appreciate it. See you next week.